0: Welcome to the BMJ podcast. I'm Duncan Jarvis, multimedia editor here at the BMJ. Now, Stephen Holgate, who's chair of the Royal College of Physicians report into the health effects of pollution, calls it a truly damaging environmental insult to the human body. The number of premature deaths in the UK alone that could be attributed to it are calculated to be around 40,000 a year. Yet despite this, action to tackle the problem, as with the other huge environmental issue of our time, climate change, is distinctly lacking. Someone who has an overview of that, through years of writing and campaigning for improved environmental standards, particularly to remove lead from petrol, is Robin Russell-Jones. He's a dermatologist and chair of Help Rescue the Planet. And earlier, I talked to him about what should be done to tackle the problem of air pollution, Robin, you open your article with some really startling figures about the the cost of air pollution. Um, in the EU, you say it costs um, in rising healthcare costs in excess of half a trillion euros every year, and more shockingly, um, half a million deaths annually are attributable to pollution. Um, Those figures are extraordinary. So where did you get that data from?
1: Well, from the uh, major report that came out at the end of last year from the European Environmental Agency. So they monitor uh, pollution levels throughout the EU in all of the member states. Um, And then they translate that into morbidity and mortality in the same way as the Royal College of Physicians did uh, for the UK, um, so the UK figure, well, there was there was a number of figures. The uh, committee on the medical effects of air pollution, the, uh, the DH uh, D- Department of Health Advisory Committee, uh, came up with a figure for particulate linked deaths of uh, twenty nine thousand a year. And DEFRA's advisory committee came up with a figure of 23,500 deaths attributable to uh, nitrogen dioxide. So, if you put those two together, you get a figure of 52,000 deaths a year, which is 1,000 deaths a week attributable to air pollution in the UK. So, that would translate up into, you know, if you've looked at the European wide uh, mortality, then it would be about uh, half a million deaths per annum. So it all fits with what the UK advisory government advisory bodies are saying. It's not it's not discrepant. The the thing is that when the Royal College of Physicians um, came up with their figure, they came up with a figure of 40,000, which is a bit lower than the combined figure from uh, the two advisory committees to the government. And I think the reason for that, as I mentioned in the article, is that it's quite difficult to disentangle uh, the effects of different pollutants because most people are exposed to all of them at the same time. So actually attributing how many deaths are actually due to nitrogen dioxide, how much are due to particulates, is quite difficult. Um, But I think the general feeling is that the particulates are the most um, dangerous from the health point of view. And certainly the European Environment Agency took that position because they attributed over 80% of the deaths in Europe to particulates and the rest to ozone and uh, and nitrogen dioxide.
0: Yes, and I was wondering why those different pollutants are kind of disentangled there. Um is it because they come from different sources, which would imply different ways of tackling different things? Um, and why aren't they just, you know, rounded up?
1: Well, there's been quite a fierce debate about it. I mean, the, um, the government, of course, is keen to look at overall emissions for the whole of the UK. Um, and on that basis, they're able to claim that emissions have gone down significantly over the past three to four decades. And by implication, they're saying that air quality has improved. Well, of course, that might be true of the whole of the UK. But, of course, a lot of these are point sources of pollution in the country, power stations, which aren't particularly, which aren't so relevant as exposure in urban areas. And there's no doubt that in urban areas, the main source of pollution is, um, is motor transport. Um, And diesel, of course, produces far more particulates than conventional petrol-driven engines and produces significantly more nitrogen dioxide as well. So the two main pollutants in urban areas, which is predominantly traffic-based, is from diesel engines. So that's why diesel is a big problem.
0: And do you think that's the most important thing to tackle, diesel cars?
1: No, not just diesel. I mean any anything that runs on fossil fuels, hopefully, we can eventually get rid of. Because I mean the new the new generation of petrol driven vehicles are using this technology called GDI, which is gasoline direct injection. And in fact that technology produces even more particulates than does diesel. So there's a whatever you say about diesel, really you ought to say about the new generation of petrol-driven engines, as well. So that is why, you know, uh, motor cars running on fossil fuels and using the internal combustion engine is a is a is a sort of unacceptable technology going forward.
0: Mm. Now, if we look forward to the future, uh, in your analysis, you talk about a few ways in which air pollution can be tackled. Um, and the government should be soon launching its plan to do that. It's
1: put out a consultation document already, which everybody has described as woefully inadequate. I mean, the it, what they proposed in their document on May the 5th, that they were forced to publish, by the way, before the election. They didn't want to publish it because they knew it was so inadequate. But um, that, that document contains virtually nothing that's going to tackle the problem. I mean, the, the only thing they're allowing, they're, they've got no national proposals at all. They're not proposing an increase in diesel um, uh, tax or excise duty on diesel fuel. Um, uh, they're not proposing a diesel scrappage scheme. They're not, uh, all they're doing is allowing councils to take action But the only really effective action councils can take is to introduce clean air zones whereby people are charged for entering uh, certain urban areas. But the government in the consultation document said this would only be used as a last resort. So um, the government is, is clearly... His priority is not to do nothing that might upset drivers.
0: And do you think something like diesel scrappage or much more tough emission limits for cars would be what you'd like to see?
1: Well, um, the, the vehicle emissions tests are set by the European Union. So the government cannot unilaterally change everything because, um, you know, they have to sell their cars into Europe and vice versa. So there is a sort of international standards which is set by the EU. Um, so I don't think the government's going to necessarily ditch that. I mean, the danger is they'll ditch it in order that, in order that cars can be dirtier. But, but that, that's another another issue. They might well decide they don't want the EU air quality directive any longer. And then the case brought against them by client Earth would, of course, fail. Um, but no, what, what needs to happen is that the government needs to finance the phased introduction of ultra low emission vehicles and the phased uh and the phase out of um polluting vehicles running on diesel and uh, other types of fossil fuel i mean we need to we need to be if we're serious about tackling air pollution you're not going to do it as long as cars are running on fossil fuel do you think there's
0: a chance of the government actually taking this seriously any light at the end of the tunnel there
1: I see absolutely no evidence that the government has any interest in this, no. I mean, everything the government has done has been to resist, um, to resist change. I mean, the, the car manufacturers are very effective at lobbying government, the Department of Transport and so on, and uh, they have clearly managed to persuade the government not to do anything that would upset drivers or cause them to change their industrial practices. But, of course, it is a terrible dereliction of duty by the government that they put the interests of car manufacturers and the interests of drivers of diesel cars ahead of the public interest. I mean, the, there is no doubt that the the health effects of air pollution is one of the scandals of the modern day, and the government has shown no inclination to do anything about it. The only reason they produced their consultation document in May was because of the court action that was brought by Client Earth, um, where the government has lost repeatedly in the High Court. I mean, that's the only reason we even got a consultation document. What we clearly need is a new Clean Air Act, like the one in the, in the late 50s, early 60s, that um, cleaned up pollution in London. But The problem we have with pollution now is more dangerous than it was in the 50s and the 60s because the fact is that the particles being generated by engines, the nanoparticles, are very small. They make their way into the, uh, through the lungs into the bloodstream and they get deposited in tissue. So these are uh, biologically extremely active uh, agents and these are the things that there is most reason to be concerned about. And these also, of course, the smaller the particles... Uh, the less likely they are to be filtered out by the diesel particulate filters that are standard on new diesel cars. What's interesting is that there are quite marked parallels between the situation that we were faced with in the 80s, trying to get lead out of petrol, and the situation we're now faced with with diesel emissions. But I have to say that comparing my experience over the last few years with this government compared with the Thatcher administration in the 80s. The Thatcher administration was a lot more receptive to scientific argument. Um, uh, I'm not sure that if I was trying to get that out of petrol today, I would succeed with the current cabinet, because they seem to be remarkably resistant uh, to scientific uh, data, and they seem to be more or less oblivious uh, to public health. Um, as demonstrated by the fact that they didn't do very much about the sugar tax. They didn't do anything about minimum pricing for alcohol. Their attitude seems to be that you should leave it to industry to implement these changes voluntarily. Well, I can tell you from my experience, that never works. Uh, It's been shown that it's not working with air pollution.
0: Robin, thanks for joining us this afternoon. You're welcome. That's all for this podcast. You've been listening to Robin Russell-Jones talk about his analysis, air pollution in the UK, better ways to solve a problem, which is now available on bmj.com. If you've enjoyed this, make sure you don't miss out on more by subscribing. You can do that on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. We're in most places now. If you have subscribed, then do rate or review us. It lets us know what you like and it also helps other people find our podcasts. If you're really keen, then our full back catalogue, and that's literally hundreds of interviews, are all available for free on SoundCloud. Just search for BMJ Talk Medicine. Thanks for listening.